You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour. What's up, Mike? Derek, we are with Western New York Heroes. Yes, absolutely. We're, we're here with you guys. You want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yep, I'm Chris Krieger, president and co-founder of Western New York Heroes. I am Lynn Magistrelli, the program director at Western New York Heroes. Awesome. You guys want to talk a little bit about yourselves and how you got involved with Western New York Heroes? Uh, sure. Um, Western New York Heroes started in 2007. Um, it was... Uh, on really my behalf, a fluke, I guess, if you will. Um, you know, being in Iraq 2003-04 and coming home and dealing with my own injuries and illnesses and in and out of the hospital and not being able to work. Um, you know, I had a mortgage that I had to pay and the banks didn't want to hear it. And, you know, I had car payments I had to keep up with and utility payments and no one wanted to listen to it. They just wanted their money. And, uh, you know, between borrowing from family and friends. And, you know, at some point, the uh, the family and friend ATM kind of ran out. Right. Um, and Hunt Real Estate kind of stepped up to the plate and uh, said, hey, you know, let's try putting a fundraiser together and see if we can help get you out of this hole and have a fresh start. Well, it was great. Um Hundreds and hundreds of people showed up. Wow. Um, people I never even met before, but they came out of the woodwork, and it just wasn't enough. There wasn't enough raised to, to save everything, and we ended up losing everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. We went from a four-bedroom house, swimming pool, a garage, two cars, to basically a two-bedroom apartment in the projects because um, that's all I can afford at the time. And it wasn't so much um, – coming home and having everything stripped from me, it was coming home and watching everything get stripped from my kids. Mm -hmm. You know, going from you can run and jump and scream and put the golf club through the window for the third time because it's our window, you know, we'll just put in another one. Uh, going from that to an apartment where you got to answer to a landlord now and right. you, you got to stop breaking the windows and they don't want the running and the jumping and the screaming. And next door was – you know, drug dealing, and across the street was 
prostitution and everything else that goes with living in an environment mm-hmm. like that, I'm going to say. Um, and I, I grew angry. Um, in my head, there were things that I – there were things going through my head that I wanted to do because I was getting so angry. Um, and then, again, in and out of the hospital, I got sent to a polytrauma brain center in Richmond, Virginia for a while where I ran into other veterans who said, you know what, same thing happened to me. I came home and applied, and this happened and that happened, and no one cared, and I lost it all. So I knew it wasn't just me, and I knew that there was something I wanted to do, just not at a national level. I wanted to keep it local. Sure. And long behold, I came back to western New York, and then there was a woman who had reached out and said, hey, you know, why don't we get together for a cup of coffee at Tim Hortons in Niagara Falls? As a matter of fact, it was the Tim Hortons on Porter Packard. And uh, I figured I got nothing else to lose, right? I've already lost it all. So I met her at Tim Hortons, and uh, long and behold, you know, Western New York heroes. And, um, you know, we sat and we talked about how Western New York heroes would look. Um, I knew what kind of level I wanted this at, and, uh, you know, we just, we we went for it. But probably a year and a half into it, maybe, um, it became overwhelming. You know, now you're getting the the big support and the donations coming in. And I've just, after the first year and a half or so, I've just been running with it. you know, building up a board of directors and everything else that goes into nonprofits and, you know, staying focused on our mission. So since 2011 alone to present, we've handed out um, over $2 million to veterans in Western wow. New York. So awesome. it was, uh, and it's all, everything was based off my experience, mm-hmm. you know, losing our home. We don't want to see veterans being foreclosed on. We don't want to see veterans being evicted. Um you know, their utilities being shut off. Everything that happened with me is I wanted to make sure that doesn't continue to happen. So we, our primary mission is to make sure that that doesn't happen. So if a veteran comes to us, you know, we'll pay your mortgage, we'll pay your back rent or your utilities to keep them on. That was our, our primary mission. And then, of course, off of that branches all the other programs uh, for Western New York Heroes. And I think it's a total of seven programs that we have. Wow. What are those seven programs yeah. that you have? Well, like Chris had mentioned, our primary focus is on financial assistance. And with that, we pay rent, mortgage, and utilities if they are in the rears. And we will pay those those um, grants directly to the lenders, to the, the um, mortgage companies, to the rental assistance, com- the rental companies, to the utility companies they don't the checks don't go to the veterans in fear that maybe perhaps there's a desperation of the monies and they won't use them appropriately Mm -hmm. so we make sure to keep them in their homes and keep their lights on at the same time and we also started recently just recently a peer-to-peer program that program um, i believe is one of our best programs and quickly growing because it opens the doors to conversation where Maybe someone is afraid to ask for help because we were always trained that asking for help makes you weak. You're weak, you're going to get somebody hurt or worse. So a lot of times veterans don't tend to, anybody really in the community, whether you're a veteran or not, they don't tend to ask for the help. They don't know how to ask for the help. They don't know where to ask for the help. So the peer-to-peer program brings veterans together and opens up that conversation. 
We also have a service dog program, and right now we're 47 veterans paired up with service dogs. We fund all the training for the dogs, and the veterans are paired up with the dog and takes the dogs with them. Or they already come into the program owning a dog already, and if if they will fit the needs um, for a service dog, we will go ahead and and, um, sponsor the training for them. We also pay for a year of their vet bills for health and wellness. And if anything it becomes more substantial than your typical well visits, we'll do a financial grant on that. So they'll have to apply, and if they financially need that assistance and will not um, otherwise be able to pay for it, then we will put that in front of a committee to take a look. We also have a Operation Automotive where we can help veterans work on their cars, um, get repairs done, small repairs to keep their cars running because there's a lot of cases where they don't have a car, they now lose their job, they now become homeless. So that is a smaller program. We um, We don't use that on as big of a scale just because of everything that comes with it. So sure, brakes need to be changed and the car is great, but now the engine goes. So now we're looking at a lot bigger problems and it's just not feasible. A lot of times the automotive places, um, which we use, I'll give a shout out to Amton Auto, who actually has my car in the shop right now, not under a financial grant, (laughs) but yes, my car decided not to start in this lovely cold weather. it's the worst. Um, So I trust them with my vehicles as well and they take very good care of us. And um, they, they currently have helped us with probably, I would say about 45 cars on average, give or take. Wow. Um, they have taken in a lot of cars um, day in and day out, and they're always, they're always quickly available. And we do other, use other um, car places as well uh, based Duntire. on people's areas that they live in. We use Duntire for, for their um, – If we get a car that's donated mm-hmm. um, and it needs tires, Duntire mm-hmm. is also one of our sponsors. Well, they'll throw a set of tires on the car oh, cool. for us at, at no cost. But – like Lynn was saying too, with Amton Auto, they've been really good too at reaching out to their parts dealers and even getting uh, parts at times for different vehicles donated, which would save us a cost as well. Sure. So, right. yeah, they know they know the ins and outs of that. We are we have no idea. So, mm-hmm. and as we all know, that cars can be very expensive, mm-hmm. and putting in any little bit of amount uh, when you're paycheck to paycheck could be detrimental. Where you're going to fall behind now on your rent and other avenues. So we do, we do keep that program running, but it is on a smaller scale. We also have back-to-school program where we have Operation Backpack where the kids can come in and kids all the way up, all the way up to college students. Where And, and if you're an adult going back to school, come on in, get a backpack, fill it up. Um, you may have a backpack with Winnie the Pooh on it, but no, I'm just kidding. We have all different. We have the solid colors, and but I, you know what? I've seen the adults pick the, pick the younger versions as well, too, so... Um, but we get so many school supplies that it is almost terrifying sometimes mm-hmm. on where we're going to end up putting it. But we we do we do definitely um, fill those backpacks up, and no kid goes out of here, you know, not happy. Absolutely. Yeah. So what else? What am I missing? There's more programs I haven't covered. We have a scholarship <clears throat> program. Back so back to school backpacks. You also need to pay for college mm-hmm. for the older the older kids. Um, so it is for dependents as well as the veterans. You have to have either exhausted your GI Bill or do not qualify for your GI Bill, which is um, something that will help um, your program in going back to school. And financially, if you've already exhausted that, then you can apply for the scholarship program. 
And then you also so, have sports and activities as well, yeah, correct? Little Heroes. So we have a Little Heroes program, and with that, we can pay up to $250 for any programs that they attend. Okay. We don't restrict it to baseball, basketball, your typical sports. They also have programs such as horseback riding. Okay. We, we had a family reach out to us uh, two years in a row where they were able to send their child to, horse, to do horseback riding when normally they may not have been able to afford that expense. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are essentially well-versed in almost everything that you would want to do in life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we try to be because um, we also understand, too, that we have to be able to adapt to everybody who comes in here. Not everybody who walks in here has the same need. Right. Um, you know, there's in a day 100 different needs, whether they're calling or walking in here, and we just want to always make sure that we're able to help them and not have to turn them away. So, so how is it starting this? Like, how is – I'm always interested in how it's getting everybody to buy into this at first because you're starting a charity, um, and it's just like come buy into this and hoping that people do. Like, Is that a challenge or is it that not that much of a challenge? Um, I wouldn't say it's that much of a challenge really because it's for, it's for veterans. Right. It's, you know – the difference between, and I, I want to be careful how I say this, um, the difference between local and national is just that, right? Mm-hmm. It's our guaranteed promise 100% of everything we do stays here in Western New York. Where national organizations, you donate, you don't know where your money's going. You know, you're donating from here, but your donation's being sent to Texas or California. Right. Where here, your donation is going to help your neighbor, your friend, maybe even your own family member. Um, so when you start to pitch to the community, look, your donation, it's staying here and how your donation is spent and you stay transparent, you know, especially come audit time, Mm -hmm. um, that we're doing what we say we're doing with those funds. It's, uh, in in my opinion, who doesn't want to donate to that then? Yeah, sure. It's basically the proof is in the pudding. Right. So. And then mm-hmm. you just you essentially get the public's trust, and it's on you to maintain it. Right. It's interesting. So this started in 2007. You mentioned um, a few things that you went through. Can we start initially too? Like when did you join the military, and and kind yeah. of go from there? Um, I originally well, I joined uh, 92, and then um, I injured my leg in boot camp and got put out on a medical i had to wait two years okay uh, that two years came and went and they wouldn't take me back so i basically argued and fought that you have men and women in the military that don't want to be in and you won't let them go and then you have those who want to be in and you won't take them right um so i finally i got back in in 97 was it all within the same branch or did you bounce branches no it was all army okay yeah um i went back in in 97 and uh, was until 2007. Okay. So. That's interesting. Yeah. So I did I did a little bit of research. I always do some research on, on our guests uh, for each episode. And then your website was extremely easy to navigate, especially for someone my age. So <laughs> We try to make it easy. <laughs> it's good to hear. It's good to hear. Yeah. So there's uh, a few key notes that I wanted to touch on, which was essentially your story. So your, your MOS, or for those that are not familiar with military terms, and the language, it's essentially your job. Um, right. Your primary MOS was a 6.8 whiskey, correct? Correct. So a medic. And then your secondary MOS was 
31 Bravo? Yeah, it used is... to be 95. <clears throat> okay. And then they switched it over to a 30 series. So my secondary was military police. Military police. Interesting. I'm sure you got some flack for that with the boys. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. <laughs> Say it like it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> so in 98, uh, you secured cross-country munitions? Yeah, it was called Operation Golden, if I remember correctly, Operation Golden Cargo. Okay. Um, and it was really, I mean, when I look back at it, it was, it was like a two-week party. Really? <laughs> um, you know, it was. Huh? Drinking whiskey? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it was the whole, it's, it's funny because we were told that, you know, everything's supposed to be kept silent, secret. Nobody's supposed to be known, you know, they're coming through their city, their town, their village. Um, that never happened. I mean, it was people not, you know, don't come through here and, um, you know, we had a job to do and really all in all, it was. You know, we did our job during the day, and at night, we're, I remember we're drinking and eating Taco Bell. So, Where was yeah. this? Uh, Sierra Madre Mountains in California. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So, so as a matter of fact, uh, on that, we were out in the desert. Uh, we told the commander that uh, we were going to make a Taco Bell run. Um, it was, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night. And really, we were doing a alcohol run, and uh, coming back through the desert, we we had an owl, a horned owl, fly right through the windshield and uh, land in the back seat of the truck we were driving. So, you know, now here we are, no alcohol or no Taco Bell, but we have all this alcohol, and uh, figuring out how we're going to explain to the commander this horned owl that's an endangered species. <laughs> And how it came through the windshield and landed in the back seat. So it's believable. Yeah. That violates every like range right. brief ever. Yeah. Right. They literally state every time, "Don't harm the wildlife." Yeah. And now they just. But we did life. nothing. We were just driving along, <laughs> and we saw this horned owl coming, and we, you know, obviously we were traveling at a high rate of speed, and it came right through the windshield and into the wow. back seat. How'd that work out? So, um, it was you know a couple guys and. You know, uniform, we're screaming like a bunch of girls because we don't know what just happened. <laughs> right. Um, we actually stopped and got out, and we didn't see the owl anywhere. And then we got back in the vehicle and started driving again, and it came around. Um, it lived? Started flapping, and, well, it, it eventually it died. But, it, you know, wow. that aftermath of flapping, and there we are screaming and yelling again in the truck. So, <laughs> yeah. You do realize this is all recorded. That's yeah, awesome. I don't care. That is awesome. This, this is 1998. Yeah. Okay. Statute of limitations is up. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Although for UCMJ, I, I don't think there are statutes of limitations, right. no. so you'll probably get a phone call. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in 1999, yeah, you're not associated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in 99, you worked on a NATO mission in Bosnia, correct? Yeah, that was a NATO mission, um, Operation Joint Forge. I believe was the name of that. Okay. Um, Ten months in Bosnia, and that was basically um, a lot of um, mass gravesite security. Um, You know, we would receive calls from locals in villages who um, 
you know, for whatever reason. But the whole thing was a NATO support mission. Interesting. That's wild. Um, yeah. From there, 01, 9-11 happened. Yeah, 9-11 happened in 01. And uh, at the time I was working for, they were Rural Metro Ambulance, which now they're AMR. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working the overnights and came home and got some shut-eye, woke up, and I turned on the TV and Obviously, it was all over every channel, right? Yeah. Right. And I thought that uh, I thought I was watching Die Hard, and uh, turned the channel, and there it was again. Turned the channel, and I thought the clicker was dead. Um, then it, you know, dawned on me that no, this is really happening. It's going on. And uh, a little bit later, I got a phone call saying that we were put on alert, and uh, we should have our stuff ready. And there's me going. Pfft, yeah, we're not going anywhere. Nothing's going to happen. And then when the second tower collapsed, um, that's when, you know, they got the call and said, you have one hour. Wow. And I'm racing around now trying to stuff everything in my bag that should have already been stuffed in my bag. Um, but, yeah, we were uh, right off to the armory and packing and loading everything up. And So off. you were in the, the guard or reserves at that point? Yeah, the guard. In the guard. Okay. Yeah. And were you out of... Where were you out of? Maston? Maston. Okay. Yeah. That's wild. Man, what a time. Yeah, it was, uh, if I remember correctly, too, we had a state police escort the whole way. Yeah. Wow. So they put us up at uh, Jacob Javits Center. Um, first couple nights wasn't bad, but, man, sleeping on a concrete floor after a while, you're like, screw this. This is, you know, waking up to sore hips and sore backs. And, <laughs> but it was really, we walked around the city. And it was, you know, they've even said the amount of crime, I think, in America altogether was at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. You know, because Everybody the country, banded together, yeah. Yeah, the country banded together, and it was whatever you needed, whatever you wanted. Um, you know, people bringing coffee, people bringing water. I remember people opening their doors to just offer us showers. Um, no matter where we went, even to eat, you know, everyone wanted to pay for your meal. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a different time. It's a whole different mentality. Yeah, and it's, Jeez. you know, now it's, I believe in what people say, you know, Americans mm-hmm. are quick to forget. Oh, yeah. Because, um, you know, look at now. You, yeah, you have to be to an airport, what, three hours early yeah. mm-hmm. just to catch your flight? And people are getting angry because, well, why do I have to be there three hours early? And why does it take forever to go through this uh, this lane? Right. And why, why, why? Try going to an airport other than Buffalo. Then you're there right. five hours early. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let, we'll tell you why. 9-11. Right. You know, I don't care if it takes me six hours to get through that. If they're doing their job, so be mm-hmm. it. Let them do their job. I'm all right with it. It's wild. There's 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 a there's one story I'll share. But I was in, uh, in Fort Benning in 20... Jesus. 11? No. Graduate high school. It was 2012. June 2012. June 4, 2012. We get through uh, 30th AG, and then we get down there to actual basic That's training. That's where I did basic training the first time. At Benning? Yeah. So they lie to you. You get down there, and they're like, <laughs> right. this is it. And you're just like, oh, my God, I just arrived. And then they're like, just kidding. This is 30th AG. Right. We're going to teach you how to tie your boots. And then you're going to walk to basic. And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, just kidding. We're going to put you on a bus. And then, <laughs> then you get smoked for, like, the first three days because you show up, do shark attack, whatever. So they made us write down ten reasons why we joined. And 
by the 10th reason, you actually figured out why you really, really joined. But everyone's first reason, and this is 2012, was the uh, 9-11. Everybody. And well, sure. I'm like, it was, we were in fourth grade. Like, and I still, I, that was my first reason for joining. And then by the last reason, it was because there was nothing physically or mentally preventing me from serving. So I have to do it for the people that I know that can't get in that have like diabetes and things like that. Cause I, there was one buddy specifically who would love to, and he just, he couldn't get in. They just wouldn't allow it. And that was my last reason, but ever the whole platoon, it was crazy. School of boys, they, they grow up pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's what happened with. With you, joining the Navy. I joined in 1992. He's a baby. Well, I mean, no offense. No, but but, she, <laughs> but, but <laughs> the, the whole reasoning of I'm why you my, joined. I'm thinking my kids yeah. are older than me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm referring to, like, the reason why you joined. You know, being in high school and right. you were – go ahead. So I, I had a million reasons. I actually overheard a girl behind me talking about joining the Navy. And I thought – the heck are you talking about? So I turn around and I start talking to her. And not that there was anything wrong. You know, you're in your own little cliques in high school, however right. it was. And we we did not even affiliate with each other whatsoever. Well, we became quick friends real fast. Mm-hmm. Next thing I knew, I was down talking to her, recor- her recruiter, joining the Navy, never looked into another branch, never even researched it, just signed. And off to boot camp I went right after I graduated in August of – 92. <laughs> so that's, I did join, I joined the Navy. I did 13 years in the Navy and then I crossed over. I went Air Force. Oh, wow. So I ended up retiring in 2015 from the Air Force. You're super smart. So no. For going the Air Force Yes, route. that part I will that. agree with because we argue about that all the time. He always makes fun of how we're eating lobster and he's eating MREs. Well, I was security forces, so that was MREs. That was sleeping on the ground. That was sleeping in tents. I didn't have that cushion life. But yes, when you did go back to the chow hall, in Iraq, we were getting lobster, but let me just tell you, <laughs> he will roll his eyes, but it was disgusting. You did not want to eat that lobster. You did not want. I ate nothing but the salad. Even still, so. you got a stipend for being in an army base because right. it didn't well, fit your housing standards. Right, right. No, we got paid the same. That because that was my duty station. We got paid the same. <laughs> I got a stipend because I was out out to war, but Whatever. I didn't get. <laughs> Whatever. Only because I went to Iraq, I didn't get any special pay for I'm anything sure, other I'm than. I'm sure the Air Force gets hazard pay for driving on Porter Ave and we, Niagara Falls. Well, we should. Yeah, right? We should. There's more potholes there than there is in Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> So, so in 2002, uh, Chris, you worked with Customs and Immigration to secure bridges, and that was involving illegals and their drugs, correct? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a lot more than that. It was uh, – what was the name of that? The name of the operation? Yeah. I'm drawing a blank to the name of the operation. I don't know it offhand. Um, but, yeah, that's where they, they – you know – you can't secure our borders with the military. So they took everybody and they had the U.S. Marshal come in and deputize everyone as U.S. Marshals. Oh, wow. um, now all of a sudden we're authorized to be on the border and carry weapons and, you know, basically right there side by side with immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they had us on, you know, all the bridges um, all over the state of New York, I believe. But it, it was... Uh, that was an experience and a half. Um, and then that's what, you know, being able to work there with the men and women on the bridges um, led me to say, you know what, I, I kind of like this. And uh, I applied for immigrations. Um, 
I later, after going through a very long process, you know, it's a government job. Everything's mm-hmm. a long process. Oh, yeah. um, I got accepted and was leaving for Fletzy in Virginia. And the same time I got my acceptance letter for immigration, I got my orders to leave for Iraq. Come on. So I had to call immigration and say, I can't accept this right now because I just got orders to leave for a war. And they said, well, it's okay. You know, we're going to hold your position. And when you come back, just get a hold of us and, you know, we'll get you restarted Mm -hmm. and into the process of being able to go to Fletzy to the academy. Well, when I came back, I called and they said no. Wow. Because during that time, 03 to 04, they had basically disbanded immigration and made it all took they took immigration and customs yeah, and put it together as homeland security so i had to if they wanted or if i wanted i would have had to reapply all over again and that was almost a year long I'm, i was like you know what the heck with it that sucks so yeah <clears throat> everything happens for reasons that's what they yeah. say yeah yeah no kidding so on on that deployment um unfortunately some things occurred to you uh, do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I mean, like anyone else, it's, you know, um, we lost our friends. Um, you know, as a medic, you know, it, it sucks to be a medic. Um, sure does. But it's, you know, we had our camp uh, mortared, um, a lot of casualties that night. Um, you know, my my vehicle... Uh, was hit, a direct hit, with a uh, two 155 shells that were daisy-chained together. And I want to say it was probably on week two, towards the end, where you start doing the right seat, left seat, right along. Um, I was in the gun. Um, We were um, securing a fuel convoy. And on the way to the fuel site... um, one of the trucks, one of the fuel tankers were hit. And then coming back, uh, we got hit again. Um, thankfully, I mean, I have my arms, I got my limbs, I'm alive. Um, but the blast, because I was outside the Humvee, and we were in an up-armored at the time, um, all I remember was the flash. And then being pulled out of the, the vehicle into the road by... Um, I want to say it was our, it was one of the soldiers. Um, and I just remember, shit, man, that hurt. My head hurt. My eyes hurt. Everything just hurt. It, I can't even explain it, but it's like, uh, it's just had, like putting your head in a vice grip, just tightening mm-hmm. it, you know? And uh, I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what was wrong. Um, and that was part of the reason then, you know, coming home and in and out of the hospital and, um, Seizures. I so bad that at one point I was even on life support. Um, and then the reason for being sent to the Polytrauma Brain Center in Richmond, Virginia for a while. Um, and it just, everything just began to snowball. And, you know, once again, here we are. Yeah. So it's wild because I, I'm looking at your time frame. So that, that occurred at the end of your deployments. That's about what, right, in, right before 04 or right as 04 started? Um, yeah, the beginning of 04, February of 04. Okay, and then it took two years, side note, it took two years for you to get 100% disability, 
which that's a whole no. other can of worms. Uh, I didn't get 100% until 2010. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. So, oh so in 2007, you're released from yep. the military. In 2008, you go to v- Richmond, Virginia for the TBI treatment. Um, I don't remember. I thought it was 2000. It might be. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember if it was 2007 or 2008 okay. in Richmond, Virginia. But, okay. Yeah. And then it, in 2010, you get 100% disability. 100%. And then you also get trained by the FBI and the local municipalities for yeah. the de-escalation situations involving vets and police. Yeah. So I get a phone call one day um, asking if I can come down and talk to the FBI and homicide. And I thought, holy shit, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. you know, just the first thing that's, everyone's mind. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Um, like, it was 03. I said, no to the job. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that happened. Yeah. I, I, I followed the ROE. I swear to God. Um, there was an owl involved. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was, okay, you know, I, I went down. Um, we actually met at the uh, Buffalo Police Garage on Seneca. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, Walked in and, you know, there was FBI there and homicide aid uh, officers there. And, you know, we talked about Western New York heroes and their big thing was, um, you know, that they were taking more calls that were dealing around Iraq, Afghanistan veterans or or veterans, period. Mm -hmm. And not sure what it is that was being said or not said that was escalating a situation that really didn't warrant to be escalated. Um, So after talking with them, literally... Uh, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes. Um, there was an officer that got up and said, you know what? This is bullshit. Why? Walked out. And I thought, oh, my God, what did I say wrong? Um, and she pulled her car in. She backed her car in and uh, popped her trunk. And um, I was like, all right. You know, she... She didn't mean it in a in a derogatory oh, or okay. negative way by any means. I wasn't sure how to take it at first. Um, and then she opened her trunk and she's like, you know, like this and we got that and we got this. I was like, oof, all right. You know, and I stayed there probably for another two hours talking with everybody. Um, and then a couple of days later, I got a phone call and said, hey, would you be interested in um, going over to the academy and being trained in hostage crisis negotiations wow. uh, by us. And I thought, man, this has got to be a joke. Um, but no, it was like a week later, and there I was. I was sitting in the academy and being trained by the FBI. So it was uh, definitely an experience. No kidding. It was something, yeah. Wow. So, so to, there's so many questions. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so to backtrack, what, what took so long to get 100% disability? Um, Other than the VA's, tr- you know, I'm not going to say the T word that we we use. Waste I'm not going to say anything derogatory. But, yeah, by no means. Was, like, good lord. Um, what? You know what? I truly, honestly think it was. Um, I truly believe that it was. We were the first wave, two waves, three waves coming home, and I don't think that they were truly ready for what was going to be returning. Um, the that, amount that of claims sense. that were going to be filed, the, yeah. you know, what type of injuries they were going to be dealing with. Um, so I don't, I don't blame them for it. I think it was, we were so quick to go to war, but not as quick to figure out how we're going to 
how we're going to take care of everybody sure. once they come back home. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, yep. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's, that's man, that's frustrating. Okay. Yeah. So, so on a lighter note, you're in the academy, you're hanging out with people that are going to be future agents and you're sitting around staring. No, no, these, these, they were already agents. So, um, they were just going through the hostage crisis negotiations. Oh, okay. So it's like a separate training. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and really, it's it's not like I spent weeks in, a, in an academy. It was a it was a week long, uh, eight hours a day rigorous academy training. Yeah, it, it was everything <laughs> squeezed into forty hours. Yeah. You know, right down to and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, towards the end, they you know did all the role play um, between the phones. Um, you know, learning what not to say, mm-hmm. learning what not to or who not to bring into a situation. So if you have an angry individual and, you know, their their parent or their spouse is the one that set them off, uh, you really don't want to be bringing that person in to try and calm them down. True. Um, so, yeah, it was a whole matter of, you know, if you say something and you get caught lying to that individual, now you just... You lost their trust and you just escalated this whole thing even more. So it was all based on, you know, whatever happens, just try to try to keep everybody very calm until uh, until basically everyone else can figure it out. And I was actually called in for the town of Tonawanda incident that happened with a 23-year-old Marine. Um, I got a phone call at 5 o'clock in the morning, I think it was that they had a hostage situation in Tonawanda. Um, I don't remember the exact name of the street, but it was somewhere off of Sheridan. And I think he finally came out at 11 a.m. Wow. And, you know, his big thing is, is if I come out, are you going to tackle me? Are you going to beat me up? Are you going to – no, you know, everyone gave the word, just just come on out. And um, it, it was something. You know, they took him over to the VA. And uh, I think within literally hours, he was gone. He was, we what I remember getting ready to go up there and, and talk with him to see what we can do to help him. He was gone. The MPs had already came up, snagged him, and off he went. So it wow. happened that quick. I was surprised. Where'd he go? Uh, they took him back down to, is it Camp Lejeune that's on the East Coast? I always get confused over which one's Paris Island, which one's Lejeune. Lejeune is East Coast. North Carolina or South Carolina. All right. So, yeah, I, we were told, took them back to Camp Lejeune. No kidding. Yeah, apparently the way it all happened was is he had been overseas. He came home, was out drinking with a bunch of friends, and uh, I guess he volunteered to go back and then realized what he did. And, you know, wow. so, and I, I get it. Right. I get it. So, yeah, Jeez. but it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. To, to see the way everything kind of snowballed, mm-hmm. you know, to watch um, Tonawanda police even to see the way that they all worked together. Um, nobody made a move without the next guy knowing, um, you know, right down to, you know, the bullhorn and the constant shouting through the bullhorn and um, 
if I remember correctly, in the driveway, there was a shotgun and an AK-47 and something else laying in the driveway. Um, but it, I'm just thankful that it all worked out. Right. Everybody walked away safe, and it was over and done with. So do you have any role in that today? or? or um, I'll get phone calls from state police on different situations that they have going on. Uh, we do a lot with the state police. Um, I teach over at the Niagara County Police Academy. Um, you know, that one there is basically teaching federal law. So the academy teaches local and state municipality law, um, but there's nothing really based on federal law. So I teach the federal law aspect um, primarily around service dogs and the do's and the don'ts and the misconceptions of service dogs mm -hmm. and what you can and cannot do, even as a police officer. You know, just because you're a police officer, you still have to abide by the law. Right. And the law, the federal law says this. It doesn't matter what state or local law says. So it's getting them to become familiar with that part of federal law and keeping in mind that federal law always supersedes any state or local. So you have a service dog. Uh, can you talk about, like, what the do's and don'ts with the service dog? Because people see them all the time, and I don't think people necessarily know what to do. Yeah, it's like an awkward situation yeah. where people have no clue, and they're like, if I see a vest, I'm not going to touch. And right. that's it. Then they literally just, like, leave the room. And and you know what? That's a lot more than what we see or get. We see the opposite. We see just the opposite. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. I was oh, yeah. I was golfing with a guy, and our, our partner, our, the sec, or our third threesome that we had, he brought a service dog to go golf with us. And my friend was, like, trying to pet him. I'm was like, it dude, a husky? don't do it. Yeah. German Shepherd. Yeah. That's one of our dogs. I know yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. He, very nice guy. He was awesome yeah. to golf mm -hmm. with him. Good but golf. the the kid that I was with just didn't understand service dogs at all. Right. And I'm like, listen, you don't touch him. There's no need for you to touch him. If he wanted you to touch him, he'll ask you to touch him, but he doesn't. Right. So do you want to talk a little bit about service dogs and kind of the role that they play? Yeah. Um, so Positive for Heroes started in 2000, uh, 2013. Okay. Um, I got my first service dog in 2012. It was a pit bull. Um, you know, the whole misconception of pit bulls, they're, they're nasty, angry, aggressive dogs. Amazing you know dogs. what? Pit bulls are the most loving, obedient, loyal dogs. I don't care what anyone says. It's not the dog. It's like everyone complaining Absolutely. about the gun killed so-and-so. It's not the gun. It's the guy behind the gun, right? So that. pit bulls are the same way. It's Give him a palm sweaty now. We're on video. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not it's not the dog at all. It's the purse. It's the handler. It's you know you can train a guinea pig to attack. So yeah. if you're training a pit bull to attack, they're going to attack. Mm -hmm. um, my pit bull was nothing but love and wanted to be loved up on. Um, so the way it happened was is that you know I became a statistic. I ended up in a divorce, um, and. During the divorce, my kids came to me and said, hey, Dad, you need a dog. Well, they were kids at the time, right? So what the hell do kids know? I just thought it was their way of saying, we want a dog but don't want to clean up the <laughs> yeah. shit and walk it and feed it, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so I kept pushing it off, pushing it off, and finally they broke me down. I said, okay, fine, well, let's go to the SPCA. And we went to the SPCA, and at the time they were on Ensminger Road in mm -hmm. Tonawanda. And... Uh, you know, I, I, I knew what was going to happen. It's like going to the dealership. You know damn well you're not going to look at a car. You're coming home with something whether you want to or not. 
Um, so true. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and that's what happened. We walked into the SPCA and we had uh, looked at a couple different dogs that I thought were tough, macho. Like, look at this badass dog. This is this is the dog. Mm-hmm. And my kids were running. So I'm like, all right, this isn't going to work. If, if the kids are afraid of it, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to call it a night, and uh, the kids wanted to look at one more dog, and it was another pit bull. And we opened up the door, and basically he came out, and he, you know, if you know about pit bulls, they're leaners. So they like to come up and lean themselves into you. And that's what he had done. Um, leaned right into me, and it was almost like, please don't put me back, don't put me back. I was like, well, shit, I guess there it is. We're coming home with a dog. <laughs> um, we immediately, you know, went and adopted him. And after a while, I knew I, I felt different. Um, I just didn't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. You know, but my kids pointed out, hey, Dad, you seem different since us having the dog. Um, and I thought, your kids, what the hell do you know? Shut up and go play. Um, and again, I didn't want to admit it. So friends of mine said, hey, well, why don't you let us take a look at him and make him a service dog for you? And I absolutely, again, I fought it because I didn't want that added stigma, mm-hmm. combat veteran, PTSD, service dog, you're a kook. Right. Yeah, where's your camel uh, hat? Right, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, people look at people with service dogs and go, well, you're not in a wheelchair. Um, you're not drooling on yourself and you have all your limbs. Why do you need a service Mm -hmm. dog? And we deal with that all the time. Um, you know, we could be out somewhere and people will come up and go, Hey, what, what's wrong with you? Why do you need a service dog? You look fine. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So my friends broke me down. Okay, fine. Take the dog, make him a service dog. And now I was able to take him everywhere and do more than I would have done if I didn't have him. You know, getting out in the community more, going to more events, going to even family parties, whatever it was. Um, And then in 2013, uh, October of 2013, um, the VA cut out all funding for service dogs saying, you know, they didn't believe that it worked. Wow. And I had gone to my board of directors and said, I want to create this program. Uh, I want to call it Positive for Heroes, and I want to... I want us to do service dogs. And the board of directors at the time said, absolutely not. And when I asked why, they said, well, we're not in the business to rescue dogs. And I said, you're right. I want to use the dogs to rescue veterans. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they still said no. So I'm a firm believer in going and doing doing it anyway, especially knowing if I I know I'm not going to fail at this. And I contacted a friend of mine and so, said... Says every vet ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, no, cool. Doing yeah. it anyway. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll ask for forgiveness. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right back. Um, <laughs> so I went to a friend of mine over at Ingram Micro, and I said, hey, I got this idea, this thought. And uh, I ex- explained it to her, and she said, Chris, look, do me a favor and put it on paper. And I was like, Okay. Great. So I spent a week putting it all down on paper, the way everything was going to lay out, um, how we were going to raise, you know, the money, everything, and uh, turned it into her. And shortly thereafter, you know, I'm going to say weeks after, I got a phone call and they gave us the first $50,000 to launch the program. Wow. So I came back to my board and I said, look, we got a problem here. Um Someone saw me on the street and offered me 50000 if I did a couple more of these. So we can't give the 50000 back. 
So now we got a dog program and we have to go forward with this. <laughs> and, you know, like Lynn said earlier, now we're up to 47 dogs wow. that we have paired up in the community with veterans. And every dog is sponsored. So it to kind of get around the fundraising aspect of it all the time, each dog is sponsored. It's $5,000 for a dog, which for a service dog is very, very minimal when you look at other organizations that are doing them for upwards of forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a dog. Um, our dogs are five thousand, and part of that, we even have some people that go five thousand. That's astronomical, but that five thousand covers the cost of the dog, mm-hmm. the spade and neuter, the first year of health and wellness visits, um, vest. That yeah, all the testing, um, the vest, um, training. Yeah, yeah, and then we even throw in if. Um, you know, should something happen with you and your dog out in the community, you go into a restaurant and you're wrongfully thrown out, mm-hmm. you know, then our attorneys will handle that case for you. Oh, nice. So the the 5000 you know, it's not just $5,000 we are taking it and saying, hey, great, thank you. Um, your money is actually being put to use deal. for that vet. Mm-hmm. So, so for those listening, what is, if someone's interested and they're a vet, what would they have to do or like what are the requirements essentially to be eligible yeah so the required well why don't you talk about that requirements for the dog program nice delegation there yeah you like that he's like i need to rest i need to rest my voice and drink my drink drink my whiskey go ahead (laughs) so with with our service dog program that is the only program that you have to be a combat veteran um, reason being, our trainers train these dogs for the hypervigilance, the anxiety, the depression, the suicidal thoughts, uh, the night terrors, and that is what their main focus is on those training. We are not saying that other veterans that haven't served in combat do not need service dogs. That is just not right. our program. We do partner with national programs that will help. So if a veteran is interested in not a combat veteran, they can still give us a call and we can help them navigate that program. Um, that is a national program. Um, so our program, what you would have to do is you fill out a grant uh, online, and it's electronic. It's very easy to navigate. If you have issues, if it's too stressful, we understand. You can call us. We'll talk you through it. Or if you're local, you can come in. If not, if you need to go to other organizations that we partner with as well um, that will help you fill it out, with whether it's with a social worker or a counselor, they'll help you fill it out as well if it's not feasible for you to come into the office. And there's a simple checklist at the end that tells you everything that you need included. Um, things such as, obviously, your golden ticket is your DD-214. So any of our services, you absolutely have to have a DD-214. And we'll go from there. It gets put in front of a grant committee. The committee will review it, and they will decide whether or not they feel you're fit for the program. Um, chances are there is going to be a, a, at least a phone interview. We're not just going to go ahead and pair you up. If you do come into the program with a dog already, we will have our trainers look at the dog. So you'll immediately thereafter getting, um, granted you get accepted into the program, you'll meet with the trainers and with bring your dog. If you do not have a dog, which I'm going to let you touch on, we have two options at this time. We, um, our trainers seek out a lot of the dogs, and we've also partnered with a couple of facilities that are currently going to be training the dogs, oh. um, which we may want to touch on a little bit. But I wanted to talk a little bit, too, about our sponsorship and with that application process. Um, I am going to turn it over to Chris because he is 
way more well versed in that topic. But we do, and I'm not trying to kick you know kick it over <laughs> to you. Yeah, right. He is yeah. way more well versed in it, and I it, I just want um, it, it 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 deserves that respect mm-hmm. with the, with the conversation on how we work with sponsors. But it does follow up. We take a portion of their grants, and whether it be a note. Um, sometimes they will submit a suicide note with it that they had previously written. Sometimes they're submitting um, documentation on their medical records that they have severe PTSD, anxiety, depression, whatever the case may be, whether it was handwritten from the veteran, which nine times out of ten it is, them explaining to us why they feel they need the service dog or the letter from the counselor. We take that letter and we shred it. Reason being is we then present our sponsors who sponsor that dog with this beautiful box here. So we call this the Because of You box. Oh, cool. Um, and because of, when we say Because of You, we mean Because of You, the sponsor, we're able to give, <clears throat> we're able to give a veteran a, a service dog. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, without that sponsor, this veteran wouldn't have their service mm-hmm. dog. And you know, I, I wish we had one of the other veterans here with their service dog to even touch on how it's changed their life. Um, you know, but if you talk with any of them that are in the program, many of them will tell you that, you know, before they got their dog, everything that I was explaining earlier, you know, they're, they're staying home. They're not, you know, bothering with friends and family and, and they're losing their job because their PTSD is so bad where now they have a dog and they have that, um, they have that support. Um, and they're doing what they want to do again. Like my dog, my dog's trained for um, my nightmares. Mm-hmm. So when I have a nightmare, um, he'll lay across my chest and literally pull me out of it so I don't have to go through the nightmare wow. <clears throat> and wake up, you know, swinging, um, wake up in the sweats. Mm-hmm. Um, his job is to pull me out of it. Um, so your basic PTSD dog, um, we have some some vets who are with us and they maybe not need a PTSD dog, but they need a dog for stability issues. Um, so we have to look at a different breed for that. We have to look at a more stocky, bigger breed Mm -hmm. so that if this individual falls, they can use the dog as a bear to push on the dog and and boost themselves up. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it other than just getting a dog Mm -hmm. and giving it to someone say, Hey, there you go. Um, we put on the back of this, then for each sponsor, um, so that they know what's in the in the globe, and uh, wow. you know, so for five thousand dollars, you get this, <laughs> yeah. you know. But at the same time, you also get to say that you helped save the life of a veteran, mm-hmm. you know. And that is actually made by one of our veterans that yeah. um, started to come into the program and then felt that it wasn't for him, but he still wanted to do something. Oh, okay. To you know, to just fill his time from being at home and he said, you know what, the ones we had before, those are garbage. Let me come up with something else. And when he said that he was gonna come up with something else, I was blown away. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Wow, yeah, he did a very good job. He put his time and energy into all of those and made one for every single one of our sponsors um, as the veterans come into the program and we we fill that, that globe in the middle. Wow. Yeah. So for for those that are watching on YouTube and and see it, and for audio listeners, um, the back of it says "Because of you." Inside this case is an actual suicide note written by your veteran. Um, I'll leave it at that. It's just, it's it's powerful. 
to say the mm-hmm. least. Um, and then, of course, the message of 22 vets a day commit suicide, which sucks. And um, every day we're, we're trying to fight that. And now it's down to, to 17 mm-hmm. per latest numbers. 17 vets a day, but 17 is still 17. Still too high. Way One too is high. too high. Yeah, 17 yeah. is way too high. So the uh, it's, it's powerful. It's crazy. So how can your average person help the organization? So everyone, um, you know, we get individuals that call here and think that we are government funded. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not. We operate solely off donations and fundraising. Uh, it's always been that way. Um, everything we do is off donations and fundraising. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we're always looking for volunteers, you know, Lynn put together a street team. Um, she refers to it as the street team, and it's basically a team of individuals, um, veterans or civilian who want to be able to give back. And, you know, maybe they can't afford to, to give that donation, but they want to give their time. Um, you know, Lynn looks at putting them on the street team to help us out with the several events that we have every month. Um, we just we believe you can never have too many volunteers. Uh, as far as the, the service dogs go with our sponsors, um, every sponsor gets one because of you box. Okay. So if they sponsor three dogs, they don't get three of these. Sure. Uh, and it makes for a good conversation piece. You know, we've had some of our sponsors say, yeah, you know, I had so-and-so come in my office from another company who saw the box, asked about it, and after explaining it, you know, he or she wants to give you a call to learn more about it and mm-hmm. maybe a potential sponsor. That's what, that's what this is about, mm-hmm. is to kind of spread that awareness um, on the service dog program, but also spread that awareness that, you know, veterans need our help. And if this is one way that we can do it to assure that, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, that they're going to be okay, then we will continue to do this until we're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then probably keep going. Uh, probably, and yeah. Because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, our job is 24-7. And when we say 24-7, we mean 24-7 with our cell phones ringing, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night with a veteran who, you know, hey, I'm calling. I was giving your name and number. I'm homeless right now. Mm-hmm. It's 11 o'clock at night. You know, there's nothing. Even if we wanted to, there is absolutely nothing we can do. Um, we've partnered with Pathstone uh, out of Rochester. Um, they've been here in our office, and they handle all of our homeless vets. So if, when we do get a veteran who calls and is dealing with homelessness, we just very simply hand them over to Jacob Puff with Pathstone, and uh, we kind of go back and forth. So if there's something that they need that he later finds out and that he can't give them, he gives them right back to us, and then um, you know we can take care of it from there. That's awesome. But, Great. yeah, it's, it's all about partnership. Yeah. And then you guys are in – you're in 12 counties that encompass all Correct. of western New York. Yeah, so in the beginning, it was uh, eight eight counties, right? So, <laughs> how many counties? You know, you always hear Western New York, eight counties of Western New York. That's the way I grew up. I live in Western New York. It's eight mm-hmm. counties. Well, Lynn and I mm-hmm. went to a press conference in Rochester one day, uh, a couple years ago, and got asked by the media, "If you're Western New York heroes, why do you only cover eight counties?" We just kind of looked at each other like deer in headlights going, well, because Western New York's only eight counties. Um, And they insisted, no, there's 17 counties in Western New York. So we immediately came back and started researching it, calling our friends with the radio station, the TV Mm -hmm. station. Weather. 
weather, <laughs> right. weather people. Congressman's <laughs> office, senator's office. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you determine to be Western New York? And basically, it all came down to they all basically said the same thing. Anything this side of Syracuse mm-hmm. is Western New York. Oh, okay. You know, because then Syracuse on is Central New York. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh. So I again went to my board and said, we got a problem. We got to figure this out. <laughs> right. Because we're, uh, we're a couple counties short of Western New York. So we agreed to pick up four counties then, taking us to 12. But our goal is to eventually be able to pick up the remaining five and, and be able to do all 17 counties. Our thing is, is great. We can do all 17 counties right now. Right. You know, we can pour all kinds of funding or, or financial assistance into those counties, but we need some sort of a return. Mm-hmm. We need the backing and support of those communities to do the fundraiser, sure. to support us, to get behind what we're doing for them. That's, and that's that's a big big step. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm shocked that somebody actually knew what Western New York was. Right, like here's a defining <laughs> line. No one knows yeah. what Western. Right. Right. All the counties or all the areas in New York, everyone calls it something different. We're upstate right. to some people. Right. right. So th- that's yeah. interesting that someone actually has a definitive line that this on is western new york yeah there was some confusion for sure there was a lot of people <laughs> yeah. that still said eight counties and were like oh thank god we at least have some people that are as crazy right. as we are yeah and then there was others that had that definite definition of that is not central new york that so is, this side of syracuse is western new york pretty much right. makes sense yep. okay yeah and yeah. everyone's answer basically was once you hit syracuse you're central new york mm-hmm. hmm. so i'd like to know how far before it's western new- or eastern new york right yeah i don't know right yeah Upstate, downstate, right, all that right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Southern everything. It's a ni- yeah. you guys have a nice little catch-all phrase on your website too for your county map because you're like this automatically updates every seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, so they're they're on top of this. Like, yeah, this just is watching not, it. This is not going to be forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's even wild. know that was on there. Well, we should also talk why we're here today too. Yeah. So do you want to? Yeah, we should touch give, on that. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> we got whiskey. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, we do. so we got whiskey. Um, Yours is still pretty full. Oh, so, I've been sipping. Yeah. We're pros now. We're on our 16th, 17th episode, 18th yeah. now. So yeah, we're 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 good at this. So so Derek and I wanted to, um, when we initially started this whole hobby, it, I mean it was it was a joke on a golf course, and now we're sitting here with legitimate equipment, and I barely still know how to operate a mic, but I'm trying to figure it out. Is we wanted to at first hit like a specific number of subscribers and then introduce merchandise and then reinvest the merchandise into the community immediately and, and try to make an impact so that we're directly relating with the community. Right. But we realized pretty quick, it was about the fourth episode that we recorded. We brought it back up and we said, screw that. Like <clears throat> why hit a benchmark? Who cares? Like if we can, if, if we raise $2, we can reinvest the two bucks into the, into the community. It would be great. Because two bucks is more than before. Sure. So we figured, why not introduce merchandise now, sell it, and then give a portion of the proceeds back to the community immediately. And then we had, it was actually a pretty quick conversation mm-hmm. of, okay, well, who do we give it to? And I was like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. That's like you. <laughs> like, okay, look, put it on paper. So you right. go back and you open up Word and you're Start like, typing. I'm seeing paper, <laughs> but... No, you're fine. So you're like too once, much whiskey. Once, <laughs> yeah, just be, just because you open up the word document doesn't mean that everything's on paper. So we uh, we basically came up with a merchandise idea and wanted to sell it and lost my train of thought because of the 
Yeah. The mic. <laughs> no, was, you're good. So, so <clears throat> about the merchandise sales that we want to donate it back in our whole process of trying to figure out a company. Oh, or yeah, yeah. Something so, I wanted to. So I, I, I went to the Googles, and <laughs> I was like, well, who doesn't get federal grants? Because there's there's always that bad rap, and, you know, where does your money go? And I don't, I, we didn't want to deal with that either. Yeah. So I said, well, let's find somebody that will use the money, A, correctly, B, expediently, and then C, with a purpose. Like, they, they know exactly where it's going, and it's it's going into the right hands. And, and locally, then, too. And local. So I was like, well, I know of this group by name. Um, I know they do a lot of good things. Let's reach out and see what happens. So then I reached out on Instagram with a DM and got a response the next day, which was great because that allowed us to then move forward with our course of action on how we we're going to, you know, make all this happen. And then we partnered with Queen City Creative Works, came up with a t-shirt, um, threw a logo on it, and here we are. So now this is it. I'm just going to show up like the old school <laughs> mod with an envelope and then give you guys a portion of the proceeds. <laughs> take a picture so people see yeah. that it's real. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. so our 14 subscribers. Yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, well, they we got, look sharp. We got 50 shirts because sharp. we wanted to start off small to begin with. Like sure. because right. We don't know how many people are going to buy it. We're already halfway sold. And they didn't even officially really? release yet. Yeah. Like this is the official announcement of us releasing our merchandise right? because we wanted to talk with you to do that. So we're already halfway sold. We're talking about our next batch, what we want to do, what time frame we want to do. Do we want to do long sleeves? Because eventually winter will come back up quicker than we know it. So yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so a portion of all the sales that we make are going to go right back to Western New York Hero. So that's, that's why I appreciate to you guys. that. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So come lot. on, subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I said let's, my let's goal was 25. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen. Right. I bet you got them. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. You're because welcome. everything that you guys do to, to share the video will definitely help us grow mm-hmm. and then ultimately bring it back to you guys as well. And we would have to talk about the whiskey that we have here today, too. So yes. in our episode, we try to have whiskey. Uh, we're not alcoholics, but we do like to drink whiskey every <laughs> once in a while. So uh, we met up with the casking crew team over in Rochester, and she gave us a bunch of bottles for us to try. And this is their authentic rye blend. So we all poured uh, a glass and uh, w- want to know what your thoughts are on it. W- w- what do you smooth. think? Yeah, smooth, very smooth. I like it because yeah. there's no – some of the – some of them you you drink and you like you said earlier, right? It tastes like you're drinking a ball of fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is smooth. There's no. Usually, if I drink a ball of fire, I'm like, yeah, oh, right. This is. I haven't made that face once. Yeah. So no. this is awesome. I've been watching. Yeah, because I saw your first up and I was like, this is it. Yeah, <laughs> I right. saw you both here. You go. Eyes yeah. on. You both. I saw him peering through his glass. Yeah. Yeah. What oh, do you do? You normally drink whiskey straight, um, or do you do cocktails with it? I love a good Manhattan. Okay. There you go. Um, yeah. Well, now we know for the next episode. Yeah. Right. Because we're like, no, nah, we're going to show up, yeah. drink it, and eat like men. <laughs> yeah. we, we have a segment. That's all right. We have a segment in our show every every week when we do review different whiskeys, local whiskeys. We do the cocktail section. So my next question would be, what is your favorite cocktail? And you said Manhattan. So I yeah, appreciate Sweet that. vermouth Manhattan. There you go. Yeah. Love absolutely. It. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> heard it all weekend yep. in D.C. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we're we're just past the hour mark. We're at about an hour and five minutes. So, is there anything else that you would like to talk about about the Western New York Heroes to kind of close this out? Your social media for sure. Yeah, yeah. so social people know where to follow you. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to buy a case or a pallet, here you go. Candy bars. No, oh, candy bars. You. Yes. And yeah. also beers too, right? You sell beer? Uh, well, no. no. Oh. Okay. So Ellicottville Brewing Company did that batch for us. I got so excited uh, when I saw that. Yeah. So you know. It is still <laughs> well, in I will still get you. Oh, okay. Some. And okay. That too. Cool. Um, <laughs> so they uh, they reached out to us to say, hey, you know, we, we would like to do uh, 
a batch of brew to support you and and we got so you know so many dollars for mm-hmm. everyone sold and mm-hmm. um, they brought us down to Ellicottville to actually taste it coming right off the oh, lawn. Oh, cool! And it was we watched them. Yeah, Pat we watched it, it going in the can and mm-hmm. the lids getting sealed and That's took fun. it right off the awesome. the runner and cracked it open and cheers <laughs> to everybody. They were a ho- the um, whole team was yeah. fun. That's your own That's Willy awesome. Wonka experience. <laughs> sure, you're right. Yeah, I really like Willy Wonka. That's amazing. No yeah. chocolate. And then we did a big release. We did a big release with that. Uh, I don't know. A couple weeks later at Santor's mm-hmm. Pizzeria. Oh, okay. And yeah, they did it out here for us. Oh, so yeah. That was nice. Yeah, and, and I, just packed the place. Now you're talking about pizza, so, so yeah. Derek's all excited. Now I'm really excited. Right. You talked about coffee earlier. I'm just in a mess coffee. right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you can buy it at, um, you can buy the beer at Tops, Walmart, Wegmans, Consumer Beverages. Uh, I know there's a couple more I'm missing, but. Yeah, the proceeds still awesome. go back to you for yeah. every yeah. sale. Mm-hmm. Royalty income. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, yeah. so it was. Uh, you know, it, w- it was nice, the the can. Um, the CFO is a veteran herself. Oh, okay. Um, the owner, uh, I believe it was the owner, um, but one of the gentlemen said, you know, they've always been wanting to do this Echo Victor Lima kind of deal and, you know, decided to do it in partnership with us. And I love it. I mean, the can itself, you know, you don't want to throw away the can after right. you drink it. Oh, yeah. Clearly. But, yeah. <laughs> And then we got into the traveling oh, growlers. World of Beers has them World too. Of Beers. Oh, okay. Yes. They do. Nice. They okay. do. Cool. We just purchased some yep. there. We have a, a, a fundraising event uh, the 31st of this month at oh, World great. of Beers. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we're going to be bringing the growlers. And um, there's a specific beer that they're having donated. And for every beer, every one of those beers purchased, the proceeds go to us. Yeah, so they're getting a keg, a complete, a whole keg right. donated. Awesome. And it's completely. Donated and all of the proceeds will will come yep. right to us. But well, we got our own chocolate yep. with um, Niagara chocolate. Ooh, our own uh, candy bar. So nice. we are actually set up this weekend, the twenty fifth and twenty sixth, at the Galleria Mall. Mm-hmm. Okay, selling the candy bars. Normally, it's a two dollar candy bar because it's the bigger candy bar, yeah. but we're selling them for a dollar. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Wow. So yeah, there's we're constantly on the go. Yeah. Which no. is great because yeah. people want to donate into something. They, right. they want to feel like they're giving back. Yeah. And out of all of the organizations, this is a perfect organization to give back to because it's based right here in Western New York, and it's just giving back to the community that we live in. So really good job. Thank you, guys. Yeah. For no, thank you. And so many people are veterans, or how many people know a veteran? Yeah. Your neighbors, exactly. your friends, so your relatives. I, and most of all, thank you to Western New York because right. without Western New York, we wouldn't be able to do any of this. Seriously. So. Right. We appreciate it. And cool. thank you for your service. Thank you for yours. Yeah. Thank, thank, you. Both of you. thank you for all of yours. Yeah. <laughs> Three of you. Yeah. I'm the lone one out, but thank you guys. <laughs> you got the beard. <laughs> yes. Sit right in. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. You look like every admin right. Black <laughs> Rifle <laughs> Coffee. So, Black Rifle Coffee. I do support Black Rifle Coffee, too. Me, too. Yeah. I am um, a fan. Very good. <laughs> well, thank you guys. We really appreciate you sitting down and talking with us. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we look forward to future collaboration. Oh, yeah. Cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.